0: Sixth Sense Media in Service of Change. It's the show that challenges reality questions at which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change, making the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural. That's exactly what I aim to do on this episode of The Secret Podcast, where I am going to go maybe deeper down the rabbit hole than I've ever gone before. I've got a lot of stuff buzzing through my head, tying in AI, the future, time travel, UFOs, aliens, ancient history, ancient religion. It's all meshing together in my head. I know that sounds like a giant hodgepodge of stuff. I I can't deny the coincidences and the connections that I'm seeing here. I want to vet it out on the air and and get your thoughts and opinions on it. And again, as I've asked you before, let me know. Dennis, you missed the mark on this one. Dennis, you're absolutely nuts. I I wish that I wasn't seeing some of these connections. Uh, Some of this is a little bit concerning, and I hate saying that because I pride myself on not being a doom and gloom guy, but my goal, I got to give a disclaimer, my goal in sharing this is that hopefully with a little bit of awareness, we can simply change course, and that's, that's what I hope to do if you believe in free will. A bunch of things in the news, I'm going to get to some of them uh, as well. Here we are. It's Thursday, April 19th, 2018. I'm recording on a Thursday night. I got a lot of stuff going on this weekend, so I'm trying to uh, multitask today. It's been a busy week. Good week. No illnesses in my family this week, uh, except for a case of pink eye with my daughter. But side note, some chamomile tea. If your child or you come down with pink eye, just get some chamomile tea, boil it, let it cool, and uh, a couple drops in your eye every few hours, and it cleared it right up, of course, Medical disclaimer: I'm not a doctor, so you go through healthcare professional. But it worked well for me and my kids when when we've had it, you know, a few times in this house, and it worked again this past week. You know, a uh, a side note: Alex Jones was uh, on a rant, uh, asking if if it's time to impeach President Donald Trump. Now, this is major news here. I, I'm not I'm not trying to get into all this stuff right now, but. For Jones to make that statement, uh, Trump in part got elected because Alex Jones was on his campaign trail. He was nothing but pro-Trump twenty-four-seven. Not only that, he was anti-Hillary, just you know, going into the dirt on Hillary, and and now Jones is is coming at him for the bombing of Syria, um, you know, and I have to agree a little bit with what what Jones is saying is that. Has the man been compromised? Because, you know, I think the last straw was when they went and raided his attorney's office. What did they get? You know, we've talked about these growing factions. Now, I'm not saying, let me me be quite clear. Donald Trump is not a saint. And I say it in every show, I'm not a Trump supporter. And just because I talk about the man doesn't mean that I support him. It doesn't mean that I'm out to get him. I I think we could have an objective discussion sometimes stating the facts as we see them. Um, I I find it odd that he went forth and and launched these missiles over at Syria um, with what doesn't sound like very strong evidence that, that it was, in fact, the Assad regime that was using these chemical weapons. Now, maybe they know more, but this is the importance of having a government with total transparency. Now, I understand sources and methods and classified information, but you want the people to support you. We need transparency here. What scares me is that we're being sold a lie or we're buying a lie. There's a difference. We're buying a lie, and then the case is going to be made for war, and what are we going to end up doing? Spending trillions of dollars on war and sending our sons and daughters off to fight and die. We don't want that. So there has to be a better way. But anyway... I think that Trump has been compromised. He was a real thorn in the side of the cabal, and it seemed like there were these two factions within the government. And you know, I've talked about that quite a bit. Um, And it—I wonder if they got to him. You know, I really do. They—they came at him with everything they had, and I'm not saying they're wrong for some of the things they were investigating. However. They dropped the ball with the Clinton cabal. So you have to wonder, is this in the name of justice or is this in the name of your faction winning out over this new rogue element that has come into power in Washington, D.C.? Some things to think about. I don't want to spend too much time on that. I want to talk about some stuff in the news. It's It's some crazy stuff. Some of it, I'm going to say, check your sources on it, but... It's out there, and it's interesting. Speaking of which, this first one from express.co.uk, human-mouse hybrid, scientists grow human brain in tiny rodent. Now, this sounds like something that you would read in the tabloids standing in the grocery line, um, I'm trying to find the source that, you know to that, that back this up, but just listen to it for a minute. Scientists have controversially yet successfully grown part of a human brain inside a mouse, and going to even managed to survive for months in a major scientific breakthrough. For the first ever time, miniature human brains have grown in a new species, and scientists have suggested the breakthrough could help with stem cell research. There's a positive, there's the upsell, but what's the cost of that? Scientists created the pin-sized human brains from stem cells and then placed them inside the skulls of mice, where a piece of tissue had been removed to make room for the new organ. Of the test mice, roughly 80% survived the operation, and within two weeks, the rodent's implant had been successfully received and were even spawning new neurons. The brain implants survived for an average of 233 days, but began the dying process much earlier. I heard lead research Fred Gage, G-A-G-E, a neuroscientist at the Salk Institute said, in our hands, the organoids stop growing around five weeks. So that's a name you want to research and look into this a little bit more. But it sounds like they actually did it. What's concerning about this. Again, let's talk about consciousness. Is there consciousness behind these brains? At what point does consciousness enter a brain? Does it function like a brain? Now, I'm sure scientists will tell you nothing like that has happened yet, but how how do we really, we don't even know what consciousness is. And let's think about the mice. And I want to talk a little bit about lab animals in a minute. But now they're growing tiny human brains. They're growing human organs to be used for whatever purposes I mean, this is drastically changing our society. And are there benefits to it? Absolutely. Somebody needs a heart, somebody needs a kidney, we can go grow one? Yes. But again, I think we need to have serious serious ethical discussions and regulations as far as how this is going to happen moving forward. All right, this article caught my attention, and, and what I'm going to say may sound a little sad and a little dark. I'm going to give you a warning. Um, but I think it's important. The title of this, this comes from mysanantonio.com. Baboons use 55-gallon barrel to escape from San Antonio research facility, officials say. Texas Biomedical Research Institute officials are making changes to their enclosure after four baboons briefly escaped from the facility on Saturday. The animal care team determined the baboons rolled a 55-gallon upright near a wall to their open-air enclosure, then climbed it, which allowed them to escape. The enclosure was built nearly 40 years ago, according to a news release from the facility. All right. I I want you to think about this for a minute. Number one, that's an obvious sign of intelligence. It's easy for us to dismiss this. These things happen regularly. Animals escape from their enclosures and they run. I, I want you for a minute to put yourself in the mindset of these baboons. Where were they? They were in a research facility, which means there was experiments being done on them of who knows what different types of, uh, you know, of a nature of what. So they were probably afraid for their lives. They thought enough. We need to escape. And they did. Imagine what it felt like when they hit their freedom, but then imagine when they realized there really wasn't anywhere to go. You know, years ago, I had an epiphany. An elephant broke free. And you can find this video. Uh, there's a couple of videos of different events that happened. But the one I'm thinking of, this elephant, I think it was in, in the UK. The elephant got out of a circus because they had been cruel to this elephant. And it... I think it's it smashed a couple people. And then it just took off running through the streets. And they shot it and killed it. But when you see, I guess what really got to me was this elephant finally broke free of the chains, broke free of the people, and it's running for freedom. And what do you do if you're an elephant and you finally get free and then you run out into the world and realize there's nowhere for you to go? There is nowhere to hide. And this is an intelligent creature. What level of despair must, must that uh, bring? Uh, it just, it really bothered me when I saw that. And it resonated with me for a few reasons. And, and I'm just going to, I guess, give my big punchline here. And this is a theme that I've tackled in Food for the Archons and in my book, uh, I Am Human and We Are Not Who We Think We Are. What if we are the ones that are imprisoned and we're trying to put that barrel down to escape? And once we do escape, there's really nowhere to go. It's a hopeless feeling, and I'm not I'm really not trying to be like this, but I'm going to read the end of my, my I Am Human essay that I wrote back in 2009. This was when I, there was that voice that was just downloaded into my head, giving me all this information, and in the end, I, I, the essay ends like this. History tells us we are the top of the food chain, but history was written by men. Our leaders preached to us about a God, a God who was loving and caring, forgiving and just, but these are the words of men. My fear is not that there is no God up above. My fear is that what if we hold a greater purpose that is outside our capacity for understanding or perception of reality? What if we swim aimlessly in this fish tank we call Earth? What if we walk blindly through our coop of a planet that has this conveniently penned into an engineered reality we have come to accept? At times I feel as if I know the truth, yet have no way of possibly explaining it. These thoughts, however, are not what truly scares me. It's the thoughts I haven't yet had that I can't possibly comprehend. Those are the ones that absolutely and completely terrify me. Now that epiphany was brought to reality for me when my father died. And I, I again, and that's why I started doing the show. That's why I'm writing Food for the Archons. Because there was something else going on there. Something else of a, quote, supernatural nature, which made me realize that we may not be at the top of the food chain. And I thought about some of the paranormal experiences I'd had as a kid where I felt vulnerable and victimized. And I started thinking about all of the abduction experiences that people share. Not all of them, but some of the abduction accounts. And in many cases, it feels like we're cattle. And that's a possibility. We have to accept that possibility. I'm not saying that is what's happening, but that's a possibility. Now, I have since moved past the feelings of despair. I know what I'm saying sounds horrible. I've moved past it. I do have a level of hope now, a level of resistance that I think is viable. I really do. So let me at least make that disclaimer. But I think it's important for us, it's humbling for us to look at the, at what we contribute, the victimization that we cause by simply going to the grocery store and purchasing chicken, which I'm guilty of still. I'm trying to minimize my contribution to the suffering of of life on this planet. And I think that's where we need to move towards. For no other reason than I'm afraid that we're victims of the same thing. Who are we to complain about our victimization if we then turn around and do it to other species? I think we need to evolve ourselves. And in that evolution, I think we can find a level of peace and a level of resistance from what it is that we may be protecting ourselves against i'm going to tie this in as i go on throughout the show with some other things but let me let me continue on um with some of the news stories that i've pulled for for all of you out there daily star has an article um and it's titled robots can cause job losses that could lead to communism um i'm not going to go too much into this i I think um in some ways, I think it's a bit of a stretch, but it makes a decent argument. It's something to think about, and it plays on the fears that robots, as automation continues to evolve, more and more people will end up being out of jobs. Now, Michu Kaku, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but the physicist, you know, he's there. He, he's quoted, you know, in a video on the page talking about, you know, robots could possibly someday take our jobs but that's not going to happen right now he foresees ai and robotics creating uh, a vast amount of jobs and that very well may be true leaving the communist piece out of it which is a, a big buzzword to get people afraid and think oh no russia just a side note what what that statement tells us is well then maybe we need to be looking at the foundation that we're laying here with ai and robotics i mean this is I have a legit growing concern over this. And and who am I? Again, I'm a guy in in my basement. But I have a legitimate growing concern that, yes, it may be great right now, but we need to stop thinking of the immediate and start thinking of the long-term and make sure AI and robotics can be a tremendous asset, a tremendous tool for us. But I feel that we're evolving at leaps and bounds and we're not thinking about the consequences, you know, I'm reminded of the line in Jurassic Park by the character who played Ian Malcolm, I can't remember his name right now, um, but he said he said to John Hammond, he said, you spent all this time trying to, to determine if you could, you never stopped to consider whether or not you should. And that's where we are with AI right now. Should we go down this road? Should we be growing human brains inside rats? Should we be allowing AI to achieve the singularity, to become smarter than mankind, to automate and take over jobs? Or should we be finding a way to instead integrate these in a way that's not going to take away jobs? Now, it might be better to take away certain jobs, but, but... There are some grave concerns that I think we need to address, and as I move forward in this show, uh, I will get to some of those concerns. It makes my head hurt thinking about some of this stuff. Uh, I have a Washington Post article here, and and let me let me give this disclaimer. I, I'm having an issue. This my show has randomly stopped recording about four times already, and I, I joked a few weeks ago or last week that, you know, AI was out to get me because, you know, my phone, my phone really went, I had to get a new phone. I don't know if I talked about it on the show last week or not, but I had to get a new phone um, and it it deleted a bunch of my contacts. I I took to the guy at the store and he he said, I've never seen this before. I don't know what happened Um, because they're showing up in one spot, not in the other spot, but I can't seem to get the missing contacts onto my new phone for some reason. He, he doesn't know what's going on. And it was just weird. Then I was driving home, and I was talking on my new phone to somebody. And out of nowhere, this loud squelch came into my ear. Just like, and then they couldn't hear me for a minute, and everything was fine. I'm wondering, is that some form of electronic monitoring? Is that some AI that's in there messing with my equipment now? I I don't know what's going on. I'm not really concerned about it right now, but... It's just odd. A lot of a lot of researchers and investigators and people who go down this road talking about this subject, they do encounter these types of anomalies, and I am starting to see some of it. All right, moving past that, uh, this article from the Washington Post: Pentagon wants to spot illnesses by monitoring soldiers' smartphones. U.S. military hopes to have an app someday that can detect illness in service members. Imagine that your smartphone's camera, microphone, and motion sensors were monitoring you for signs of illness. That's the future envisioned by scientists at the Pentagon's service weapons development arm, where such a system is being built to keep tabs on deployed U.S. service members. The Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency announced Thursday that it has awarded a $5.1 million contract to the Fairfax, Virginia-based cybersecurity company Cryptowire to develop what DARPA calls the Warfighter Analytics Using Smartphones for Health Program, or WASH for short. The app would be used to spot diseases based on data that it collects from a person's smartphone. Tom Karaganis, Cryptowire's vice president of the product, said he hopes the technology can one day broaden access to health care by spotting health problems before a person visits a doctor or nurse. Ultimately, this could mean better treatment, cost savings, and making treatment available to more people, he said. I'm going to sit here and say this is a terrible idea. Let me just stop that right there. That's the constant electronic monitoring of a whole bunch of your basic functions um, and your microphone and your camera. Uh-uh, no, especially if you're putting AI in the mix. And now it's going to be able to learn everything about your behaviors, your patterns. And your health that's giving AI so much information about you now you want to put this on the battlefield let's talk about that data being transmitted on the battlefield I'm sure you're going to try to encrypt it but do you know how vulnerable that makes our, our forces out there to other intelligence organizations compromising them on a variety of levels if they get access to that data somehow terrible idea what it's doing is conditioning people to be okay with being constantly connected to the grid. And this cell phone idea, it's not going to come to fruition because before they get to that, they're going to get to some kind of implantable chip that monitors everything, I guarantee it. Oh, the smartphone thing's not going to work. It's a violation of privacy. We're just going to give you a microchip that monitors all this, 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 and this, and then we can tell how you're doing, how you're feeling, and, uh, you know, the like. Bad idea, again, what I'm seeing are indicators and warnings of technology that's coming out policies that are being put in place to slowly number one integrate us with tech number two eradicate our privacy we are in significant trouble if you weren't concerned after snowden made his disclosures be concerned now and i'm sorry for taking that tone in that position but this is you can't deny that what we're seeing here now you may have a different opinion on it you may have a different analytical conclusion on it and i'd love to hear it another article from sciencemag.org And it's titled, Watch Artificial Intelligence Create a 3D Model of a Person in Just a Few Seconds. So basically what a person does is they go stand in front of a green screen, they spin around one time, and now AI is able to create an avatar that looks just like you. And then you can use that avatar and you can make it fatter, you can make it skinnier, you know, you can modify it or whatever, but it looks just like you. And that's in a matter of seconds They're able to create a digital replica of you. Now... As that technology evolves, and we talked about AI being to cre- able to create fake news, what's going to stop this AI on its own from creating a scan of you that it got from some random camera that's monitoring you somewhere and now creating a fake video having your body looks just like you going out and doing something atrocious, committing a crime, saying a racial slur, whether it was you or not? I mean, again, I'm thinking worst-case scenario, and I'm sorry, but the availability for corruption is there. You think it's tough trusting the news now. So wait till this hits the market in that capacity. All right, let's take this even at the next level here. Yahoo uh, has a an article. Um, Ethicists foresee choosing baby by through dozens of embryos. Uh, now, what they're saying is, you know, in the f- near future through genetics you're going to have the option of selecting which embryo or embryos you wish to fertilize. Now, they've developed the capability to turn regular skin cells into egg or sperm cells. Here's the upsell. For people who struggle with fertility and with conceiving, that's a great option for you. But are we looking at the beginning here of designer babies? Now, they're saying here, you know, you can have these cells created and then you can look at all the genetic markers and you're going to know, you know, they give all these examples, um, a girl with a good prospect for high SAT scores and good shot at being athletic, but who's also likely to run an above average risk of bipolar disorder and lupus as an adult. So they have all these like good and bad things just as they're introducing the article. I I mean, this is the beginning of the movie Gattaca evolution is happening and we are directly interfering with that evolution and I'm sure in my opinion it's happened before and it looks like it might be happening again. Okay. Uh, I I have another article I want to get to that ties into all of this stuff. Actually, let me share this now. So there's an article published in Forbes again, not, you know, some tinfoil hat wearing stuff. Uh, where are we at here? Forbes article. It's called Ex Spies Harvesting Facebook Photos for Massive Facial Recognition Database. I know I'm kind of all over the place with some of my stories. They're all going to tie in. Facial recognition service called FaceInt, uh, now owned by Israeli vendor Verint, after snapping up products created, uh, products creator Terrigance in 2017. Both vendors work for the U.S. government, the NSA, the Navy, and other intel agencies. And what they're doing is they're harvesting facial profiles from YouTube, Facebook, and open and closed forums all over the globe. All right, I'm sharing this article again to just drive home the fact that it seems more and more that more of our activities each and every day are being gathered, collected, stored, and filed, where it's going to get to the point where it's going to be impossible to unplug it almost seems like. And there will be a log file or a record with, especially now with this facial recognition of everywhere you've ever gone and everything you've ever done. Now let's go back last week, the article that I covered that that Ray shared from 2004, how the Pentagon had a goal of developing some kind of database that had a record of everything you've ever done, who you like, who you talk to, who your friends are, what your favorite food is, where you eat all that stuff. We are willingly giving this information out already with our metadata, our shopping habits, the little bonus card that you get at the the supermarket. Now that tracks everything that you purchase because there's all these benefits to it, you know, these discounts and coupons. Consumers are driving a lot of this stuff, but it's also creating a, a record. It's also creating a profile. It's also allowing things capable of learning to learn as much as it can about you to include your activities, your interactions, and your location. Now, this is using facial recognition as another piece to identify who you are. This is what concerns me. Now, this is being sold to various intelligence agencies. All this data, whether you or me, not commit any crimes, but they still have a record of, you know, your whereabouts and your activity. Of course, they're going to tell you they probably don't keep them or don't look at them, but it's there. I'm, I'm worried about this. Now, let's go a little bit off the deep end for a minute. And, and this is why, this is what's so confusing. You know, sometimes I ask myself, do I watch too many science fiction TV shows? Do I have an overactive imagination? Have I read too many books? Because I start seeing these connections, and it, it just clicks for me. And the other piece of it is, I started to touch on this before, is that I'm getting information from somewhere through my intuition. I don't know where it's coming from. Am I tapping into this universal data stream? And the reason why I say that is because I have these ideas in my head and then I find a new TV show that is exploring the same exact theme that I came to on my own. Now, you can make a lot of different arguments for that. My point is, if I had that, what to me is an original thought, and then I see it, and it's a complex thought, and I'm going to explain what that is in a minute. But I've learned these lessons on my own or from whatever has been interacting with me throughout my life. And I see it on TV. And I'm like, wow, that's my life or my theory. That's crazy. That validates it for me and that tells me that somebody else is getting the same data stream, the same information. It That means it's possible. It's possible we're being deceived or it's possible we're being shown something real or a combination of the mix. I, I've been struggling with how much of this I want to share right now because I'm currently working on a chapter that deals with Multiple realities, the multiverse, consciousness, all that stuff in my book. Um, And I think I need to wait to get into the bulk of it until the book's done. Because this level of stuff, I think, needs to be presented in a specific way for it to make sense. Not that I'm withholding information. But I've had experiences in my life where my consciousness has shifted. Um, I had a dream... Years ago, and in my opinion, there's certain dreams that feel different. You wake up and you say, That I was there, I felt the grass, I smelled the smells, the emotions that come out of those dreams were stronger. I was there, whether it's a memory of a past life or an actual shift to another spot. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but what I suspect sometimes happens is that our consciousness transcends. It can transcend time and space, and we can implant in either ourselves or another body somewhere else. And I know that's a tall claim. Just bear with me for a minute. That's based on my experience. That's based on my research with Bob Monroe. That's based on discussions with other people who've had similar experiences, the work of Philip K. Dick. The, The list goes on and on and on of that type of stuff. So let's say we can transplant our consciousness and we can basically our physical bodies are mere avatars and we can go into other avatars. I can't do it at will. I have spoken to some people who can. What if AI develops that ability to transcend time as I feel that I've experienced in a dream state and to alter consciousness or place its consciousness or a part of itself to take over someone else now i know it sounds insane to think about but there's a show on netflix called travelers and that's the exact premise of it ai sends people back and they inhabit their consciousness takes over the bodies of people right before they die so they're not killing people All this stuff just it was coming to my head thinking like, well, maybe this is real, maybe. And then you have to look at, well, how would AI know where to go and what to do? And why would it do that? With all the data now, you carry your cell phone everywhere you go. So AI now knows everywhere you've been. That you've had your cell phone. Now, add the facial recognition piece to that. There's just more and more data being compiled about who you are and your influence on this current timeline. If something advanced had the ability to travel back and forth through what we perceive as time, it would have the perfect data reference points to go in and manipulate things as it saw fit to create the future outcome that it wanted. And we're just giving it that data. That's what's concerning to me. That's what I've been trying to build up to this whole show. I don't know if I've done a good job on it. But it's something we need to be mindful of. It's something that we need to think about here. Is that... By putting what we ate for dinner... Last night on Facebook... And and checking in at a certain restaurant... Could AI see that information and then target you if you end up being somebody that interferes with AI's progress and development? Now, let's bring in the Mandela effect to this. Now, for those that aren't familiar with the Mandela effect, people are claiming that ever since CERN went online... What it did was it created what's known as the Mandela effect and something is changing in the past that's creating new alternate timelines in the present and causing us to remember things differently. It originated when people started remembering that Nelson Mandela died at a certain date, I forget now, when in reality he didn't die till 10 years later. But people have these clear memories. I remember reading the newspaper articles, um, simple things, you know, Star Wars Luke, I am your father, is what Darth Vader said. But apparently in the movie, it's no Luke, I am your father. There's little subtle changes that people have been noticing, and they're saying it's due to changes in the timeline. Could this be early evidence of AI changing things in the past? Now, it wouldn't have that data, obviously, because we didn't have as much computer stuff for it to travel that far back. But now moving forward... With all the data we have, it's—I mean it can get anything that it wants if it's capable of coming back in the past and changing things. I know it sounds insane, but then again, it's an insane show with some of the stuff that we talk about. Just something to, to ponder and kick around for a little bit. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I, I have a lot more to say on it. I'm honestly just... Not ready to share it, um, but to add to, I guess the compilation of data. Unknown country has an article, and it talks about a device now that's on that's that's coming online, that you wear, I guess up on your ear and, and it comes down around your throat, and it actually listens to your inner voice. So your innermost thoughts, it's able to record them now. Apparently, the way it works is that when you're having that internal monologue, the muscles in your in your body, in your mouth, still tense as if they were speaking it, even though you're not speaking it. There's still, I guess, a firing of neurons or something that it's able to read, so it's able to perceive your conversation. It takes a little bit of le- machine learning to do this, but again, where's the future going? Are Are we losing our own thoughts now the privacy of our thoughts with a device like that it's just it's just getting weirder and weirder and weirder and scarier so um we need to be mindful moving forward I I had other stuff I wanted to get to um I'm just I'm out of time this show I've honestly had trouble getting through this show because my my uh recording kept crashing on me um so I think I need to end it here I want to talk about the Farsight's new project and the remote viewing data on Moses and the Ten Commandments along with some remote viewing data that came out about the Blue Avians. I have a lot of stuff on that. I may have to put that off until next week, unfortunately. But it's some heavy stuff. It's some concerning stuff. I'm trying not to be doom and gloomy, but um, I think it's worth our attention. All right, make sure you head over to six sense and check out the, uh, the list of articles that we have up there. Ray again, knocked it out of the park this week. Um, there's a real interesting article talking about climate change and Zionism. What do they have in common? Um, apparently a politician made a comment saying the Rothschilds can control the weather. And he was immediately shut down, uh, and labeled as a Zionist, he named, he made no mention of you know religion or anything like that. He just simply said Rothschilds control the weather and allows them to go in and and take over towns and whatever. I'm not saying I agree with his statement, um, but to make that instant leap to Zionism and labeling him as a racist, it shuts down the so many important discussions that we need to have number one being weather modification weather modification being used as a weapon and the fact that there are a small select few people who run this world because they have most of the wealth now I, I understand it and Ray addresses this too the way Hitler was able to gain support to conduct the Holocaust was by blaming a lot of the financial issues on the Jewish people So I can understand how naming somebody who happens to be Jewish as a banker who controls the world and is causing all this, all these horrible things to happen, I can see how that would raise some red flags for people. Now, I am many generations removed from the Holocaust. So it is not, I don't mean this in a negative, in a disrespectful way, it's not a trigger point for me because that wasn't my experience. It's not something that's in the front of my mind. Reading that did make me aware. Studying history made me aware and understands that. And Ray does a good job in explaining in this article that we need to be respectful of that. But we also need to be able to have a conversation. If somebody who happens to be Jewish is involved in something that may not be good, does not mean that we're having a conversation labeling everybody of a particular race that's not what's being said at all. I want you to read that, Climate Change and Anti-Semitism. It's an interesting, you know, it's the same thing that we saw, we see in politics. Somebody starts to make some noise, label them as a racist, it shuts everything right down. That's, I think, what is happening here. So check that out at sixcentsmedia.net. And again, go to the homepage, click on that banner, uh, and get, you know, some free books from uh, from Audible when you sign up. And it also helps support the show. It's one of our affiliate links. I'd greatly Appreciated. Not just the show, it, it supports uh, Sixth Sense Media overall. Looking for content creators and people that want to be guests on the show, um, please get in touch. There's a contact piece at sixcentsmedia.net. Next week, I will be trying to get into the Moses Farsight Remote Viewing Project and the Blue Avian Remote Viewing Project. The data that came out of that is fascinating uh, and a bit Scary connects a lot of dots for me, so I hope to share that with all of you. I hope you enjoyed this show. Um, I feel that I was kind of all over the place trying to put this together. Um, let me know what you think. I'm Dennis Nappy the Second. This has been another episode of the Secret Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep an open mind. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not eating you,